Hi, everybody. I'm Jordan Ostroff with Legalese Marketing, and this is Exhibit A Attorneys, where we interview attorneys and other experts across the country to talk about what it truly takes to be the Exhibit A of a successful attorney. And if you can see, this show is a little bit different, not just because of my guests, but because we've uh, taken this outside on the road, and uh, we'll see how it goes. So I'm super excited. Joining me today is Jess Birkin. So I don't know if any of you listened to our post about this episode, but I first got connected with Jess when I heard her talk on another podcast. She was talking about subscription models and how you can use that to have your firm be better, to do better, et cetera. And like, I immediately fell in love with her story. I immediately loved, fell in love with what she was doing and we connected through there. And then somebody else made an intro, I think the host of that podcast. Um, so proof number one, branding is super helpful. But for those of you that don't know Jess, that weren't lucky enough to hear her amazing presentation on some other ones, she's a solo attorney based out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. Her firm empowers nonprofits to achieve their mission by doing things right, which I love. I love that phrasing of it. Uh, when Jess isn't lawyering, she helps other lawyers to change their lives and their law practices through her passion project, Hack Your Practice. You can join her crew at www.hackyourpractice.lawyer. You can find her on Twitter at at Jess Birkin, J-E-S-S-B-I-R-K-E-N. Or you can find her law firm at BirkinLaw.com, B-I-R-K-E-N-L-A-W.com. I am super excited to have Jess on today. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jordan. This is going to be fun. So today we're talking about the five rules to improve your life and your law practice. But before we dive into that, anything else you want to add to the bio or any other contact information you want to share I with everybody? You were extremely thorough and, and covered it. Well, I just read the bio that you sent us and added a little bit to it. So it makes it really easy on my part. There you go. All right. So we're going to get into the five rules to improve your life and law practice in a minute or so. Before that, though, I want to talk about our last episode. That's where we interviewed Erica Young, who is a network scientist who talked about how networks shape our well-being, relationships, and community from an academic perspective, which was super cool to hear. Having been a lifelong networker, I never looked at it from like the science side of it. And that was a great chat. But now we, here we are talking about our five rules. So I guess you want to just, we want to go rule by rule or how do we, how do you want to start this? It's your show, man. I'm up for whatever. I know, but I have the easy job. I just get to ask questions and listen. Like you're the one who's on the, uh, not the hot seat because we're not going to cross examine you, but. <laughs> let's hope not. Yeah, sure. Let's jump right in. All right. So what's rule number one to improve your life and your law practice? Well, rule number one is automate. And this is something that like most lawyers, I think, struggle with because we tend to think too big, right? Like we tend to think like an automated law practice means you've like hired consultants to build you these robots and you're doing all of these big things. And really all I mean when I say that is like stop repeating mundane, boring tasks. Um, a lot of us are not what you would say working at the top of your license right? Like all of your time that you can, if you're an hourly biller, you want to be billing that time, right? And if you're not an hourly biller like me, stop wasting your time on crap that doesn't matter. <laughs> um, so I'm just a really big fan of like, anytime there's something that you either hate to do, or um, it's just like tedious or repetitive, automate it. So the first question I always have people ask is like, what work do you hate and can you make it go away through automating? So like an example of that for me was um, 
all of the email and like the back and forth that comes with networking, right? So in your last episode, I'm sure you talked about the importance of networking and like generating all those relationships with good people and, you know, referral partners and people who lift you up. But the sucky part of networking is you have to exchange like 10 emails. Hey, Jordan, you want to get coffee? Okay. Yeah. Jess, when are you available? Well, I'm available Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday at 8 a.m., 3 p.m., 6 p.m., whatever. And then by the time you, are you write in me my back, email right now? Yeah. Right. Like we all know this drill. Totally. And the best part is during COVID, at the end of all this conversation, there's also the wait, we're in different time zones. Hold on. All oh, those times that I gave Lord. you are wrong. Yes. Right. So I just was like, I hate this. I'm an extrovert. I love people. I love to have lunches and coffees. So I was doing it a lot, which is great, but it's a pain in the butt. So I flipped to using Acuity Scheduling and there are lots of Calendly, whatever. Microsoft has a baked in thing. Those are, a, it's a way to automate the process of scheduling an appointment, right? And so it's not earth shattering. It's not like rocket science. Like anybody can use this, but that eliminated all of that time that I was wasting going back and forth, finding out, oh, Tuesday at 2 p.m. doesn't work anymore because I took three days to write back to you and now your schedule's, you know, all of that went away. So the more you can do that sort of stuff, the better off you're going to be. Can I get on my soapbox? Yeah, do it. All right. So the most common feedback I think that at least I get when we talk about automation is, well, it's only an hour or it's only five oh my minutes. God. Preach. Like, preach but when it's five minutes a day if you do it 10 times a day that's 50 minutes that's almost an hour a day times five days a week is five hours times 50 weeks a year is 250 hours so that is over 10 full days or over 30 work days because of well it's only an hour or well it's only five minutes i do it a couple well, it's times only a day. couple of clicks of the mouse it's no big deal why do we love to do that i don't know if that's just lawyers or everybody but we love to like minimize that amount of time and pretend that it doesn't matter. And you're absolutely right. It totally matters. And that's just like one little thing. There's like a hundred of those things in your day, like not just that one. So that adds up to a ton of, of stuff. Like I'll give you another example. When, once you do the networking, you go to the lunch, you get somebody's business card. Cause a lot of us are still handing out paper business cards. I actually, I'm like, do I print new business cards? Like at my, my virtual office does do i just, do i even get, a, get one of those nfc tags or the uh the yeah. blue card and my qr code QR i don't code. know about yeah, that. better business card culture is not going away whatever or maybe you meet somebody and all you get is their phone number and then eventually you see their email signature you gotta like hard code that information into your outlook right like you have to get contact information into your system so that you can follow up. And that is tedious and repetitive and obnoxious. And it's another one of those things where well, it only takes 30 seconds, but then you forget to do it because it's the Smith file is way more important. And now you're supposed to follow up or you're like, oh, I have a referral for that lawyer. Who was that again? Oh, I don't know. Now you're Googling them. You're trying to figure out who they were, trying to find their contact. Just forget that. Automate it. Use Zapier, right? Like I use zapier which is z-a-p-i-e-r and it's an online tool that basically i like to call it the star trek universal translator like if you're an old star trek head there we they, go they had those little machines that like you could two alien races could talk to each other so zapier is the thing that sits in the middle of all your programs and goes 
oh, Acuity Scheduling or Calendly. I see you have the name, address, and, and phone number of this person Jess is going to lunch with. Excuse me, Outlook, I would like to add a new contact or update an existing contact in Jess's Outlook to make sure that this contact gets saved. Zapier does that and it just takes away the need to like sit there and do all that work, which is only 30 seconds, but again, it adds up, right? Yeah, I love, they have the best tagline, Zapier. Was it Zapier makes you happier? Okay, this is my thing is like, they've misnamed their company because if you have to burn your tagline on telling people how to pronounce your company name, you screwed up <laughs> because it's Zapier. Oh, it's it be Zapier. This is, it's it's a if they wanted it to be Zapier, it should be Z A P P, not Z A P. So for me, I'm like that's a marketing fail for them, but whatever. <laughs> so wait, is it Zapier or Zapier? Well, I mean, like grammatically, I think it should be Zapier, but that's not what they want you to say because okay. they burn their right. tagline on telling you how to pronounce their name. Gotcha. So I, th I just get a kick out of that. And like lawyers are always like, how do you pronounce this? Because we're particular and we're words people, right? We're not math people as evidenced by our inability to add up how much time we're wasting. <laughs> They're not automating. Yeah. So pushback number two. Well, but all my clients are different. You know, how's automation matter? And I'm always like, no, it's giving you more time to be personalized with everybody. It's giving you more time for that second consult, giving you more time to follow up with the, the for you, the, the three people off the board of directors, instead of being only able to talk to just one person, because you've got to resend the same email a hundred times to 30 other clients. So true. Sometimes people think like automating equals taking your personality out of the equation, right? Or like that it's like going to be like, uh, the robots are communicating to my clients. Like, no, that's not what needs to happen. First of all, those two examples we just gave has nothing to do with the unique nature of your clients. That's good for everybody, everywhere, all the time. It's all about how you put your personality into it. You know, you can customize the the little scheduling page and make it very comforting and, you, you know, good for your clients, right? But um, even with things that you can automate that are like, yeah, it's going to go out the same every single time. And yeah, your clients are going to get the same message and like, oh, I don't know. They're all different. Well, okay. Here's an example for that, right? I use active campaign, which is an email platform that sends emails. So if I say this person, this potential client's contacting my firm, we're going to put them into what, what I refer to as a drip or an automation where it's going to send them a series of emails saying, hi, thanks for reaching out. Hey, two days later, here's some information you might like. Uh, three days later, let me introduce you to my staff. And then like five days later, haven't heard from you. Did you want to book a consultation? Click here to, to book, you know. Now, yes, everyone's getting the same emails, but... I'm a, you know, I'm a decent writer and I've made them to be warm and welcoming. I, I think in the first email, I even say like, let's be real. This is an automated email, right? Like I just come right out and say that. Um, but like, you know, what's worse is before I did that, potential clients would call and be like, oh yeah, I got to follow up with them. 
But then like, I was really busy trying to get the Smith file done and then I would forget. And then two weeks would go by and then maybe I'd follow up with some people. Maybe I wouldn't follow up with some people. Some people got followed up with really timely. Some people was later. Sometimes I was in a bad mood. So maybe my tone in my email was a little snarky because I was kind of pissed off that day about my, you know, situation in the world or something way better to have a fully automated email campaign that just goes out, it's consistent, everybody gets the same thing, it's on brand for me, nobody gets forgotten about. And to be fair, anybody listening, when you file the same motion on 10 different cases with the court, what do you do? Do you rewrite it from scratch the entire oh, time or no. are you using a template? You know so you please, don't. Right. Please be using a template. So like, it's the same thing. Yeah, these are just excuses we use as reasons for like, I don't want to do this because the real reason is I'm nervous about trying something new and feeling stupid. So we come up with a silly excuse that sounds logical, but usually it's a between the ears problem. Right. It's like, what if I'm actually not that important? And I'm like, and I have found out I truly am not that important. And that's why I'm not in an office. So <laughs> it's wonderful. Like, really, it's a positive thing that I don't matter to my law firm. There you go. So anything else before we move on to rule two? Mm. I think that's pretty good. I could right. go on forever about automations, but you get the idea. You and me both. All right. So rule two for a better right. law practice and a better life. Is to delegate. And this is something in my experience in the solo small community, especially people really struggle with. And maybe that's the same at Big Law too. I don't know because I've never lived there. But delegation is so important and we tend to like hoard the work like no i can't let somebody else do that because they'll do it wrong only i with my special lawyer quill and vellum can inscribe the special words you know i don't know what it is we think like we have to do it no what's real is you probably should have someone else do it because they can do it better than you classic example for this is bookkeeping. I don't know how many like small firm people I talk to where I'm in a room and I'm like, raise your hand if you do your own accounting for the firm. And like so many hands go up and I'm like, raise your hand if you or keep your hand up if you also have a degree in accounting. Right. You know, for no. me, it'd be keep your hand up if you also want to go to federal prison. I'm like, that's <laughs> where I'm like, nope, not my thing. Right. So like the first easy low hanging fruit there is to outsource the bookkeeping right? And you don't need an on-staff accountant. There's great services out there. Like I love Annette at Juris Bookkeeping. There's like great companies out there that only do law firm bookkeeping, right? Like you can get like that granular nowadays. So that's one. And then the other thing that's easy is like call handling, right? I used to answer the phone every time the phone rang, I would answer. I don't do that anymore because my time to work at the top of my law license, I should be lawyering and not triaging uh, fake client emergencies, potential client calls, people that Google search for nonprofit law because they think that that means free lawyer. I get a lot of that, right? Like my bounce rate on my website is really high. <laughs> you are nonprofit or your clients are nonprofits, not your law firm. It makes right, total sense. People don't know the word pro bono, right? Nobody in real world knows that, right? So Very I get true. a lot of people that need a referral to somewhere else. Um, I don't need to be answering all of those calls. I also don't need to be interrupted. If I'm trying to work on the Smith file 
and I've blocked time to do this. And then my client from the Jones nonprofit over here is blowing up my phone. I'm going to answer the phone. Oh, now I'm off track. Now my time blocking is ruined, right? So I, there's lots of people out there. I like Smith AI. There's Ruby, right? Have somebody else answer your phone. It's okay. And if you are hourly billing, like I have a buddy of mine and I were at Top Golf about two weeks ago, and he was like, "Yeah, you know, I'm paying whatever it is, nine dollars a call for Smith or something like that." He's like, "But I'm billing out the person who normally answered the phone at 115 bucks an hour. So as long as that call is longer than like three minutes, I'm making more money having this person bill, having them take the call to get you know this stuff lined up." And so it's just amazing to me that like even if you truly want to look at it solely from a money savings, it's there, let alone from a time savings benefit. Yeah, I'll tell you what pushed me over the edge on this because, you know, I'm I'm small. I'm a solo. Like I'm not trying to like burn a whole bunch of money. I'm not a PI lawyer. <laughs> Thank you. Uh yeah. So I it was like around the holiday season, you know, I'm I'm still I'm into all this. I'm trying to automate, I'm trying to improve my practice, all this stuff. It's around the holidays, it's like between, you know, Thanksgiving and the end of the year. And I come back from the holidays and I check my voicemail and there is a potential client call. Then they left a message in my voicemail three weeks ago. And I was like, oh, crud. That is a cold lead now. And I have failed to secure this business. And maybe an angry lead. Yeah, right. I actually, it ended up working out and thank God it was the holidays, right? Like they were very forgiving, but I told them, I said, I'm so sorry this happened. That's unacceptable that I took this long to get back to you. And here's what I've done to fix it going forward. I'm using a call answering service from now on. And so I signed up with Smith and I've like never lost the lead ever again. Right. And especially if you're somebody that's paying for Google ads or like has a clickable phone number and all the... Like the thing I hear from my my SEO and marketing buddies in, in the legal industry is like, answer the phone calls we send to you, right? So answer the phone. And if you can't answer the phone, have somebody else answer the phone. You don't want to yes. lose those leads. Your yes. eyes are lighting up. Jordan's yes. like, preach. <laughs> discussion. And um, not that we're going to do an entire sales pitch for Smith, but right now I believe they're running 30% off for the first three months for any new bot, new people. They've got a $0 down chat. You just pay per the leads that come out of the chat. And if you use Ease 100, you get 100 bucks off your first bill or first month or whatever it is. Yeah. So, and they have Spanish-speaking operators now, which is really cool. Yeah. And 24-7. So. Right. So, and so here's the other thing about delegating is a lot of times lawyers would be like, but I can't, I don't have the budget to hire someone. And this is that we think too big, right? We instantly think, well, delegate means... I I have to hire a paralegal or I have to hire an admin. No, like delegating could be you built a zap that does something for you back to the automating, right? That's some form of delegation. You're not doing the work is my criteria for delegating, whether that's using Smith, whether that's, you know, online scheduling, creating zaps, whatever, hiring out your bookkeeping like it doesn't have to be an all or nothing we get very like all or nothing in legal right like it's it's either i have the budget for the staff person or i don't (laughs) no (laughs) well and even for things that you are still going to do some on like even if you know we got ethical obligations so review the motion before it gets filed and if you have to make some tweaks to it 
great. Then you did 10 minutes of tweaks instead of two hours of writing this motion from scratch or doing the template or totally the like there's totally, you know, the um, yeah. delegate it. If somebody else can do it 80% as well as you, it doesn't mean sacrifice it at 80%. It means now you're going to take five, a uh, fifth the time to get it up to the hundred percent than if you started from nothing. So, yep. Like I use law clerk dot legal all the time. Is that it? Law clerk. Yeah. Law clerk. Yeah. Law clerk is amazing. And it, you know, I am one person. My shop is one attorney and I'm sort of like outsourced general counsel for all of these nonprofits. Does that make me a genius at every practice area that they might bring to me? Hell no. Do I know how to make the best terms of service for a website? No. Do I know how to write an employee handbook that is like airtight? No, but I can hire a lawyer through law clerk and have them do the bulk of the work and I supervise them and then hand that off to the client. And I know a somebody who's smarter than me did the first run through and I'm really just supervising them, right? That's amazing delegation. And I didn't have to hire an associate. What well, I love, we had um, we had Kristen on, and so she was talking about the average experience of somebody on law clerk as the attorney is 11 years. So this is not like, like somebody right out of school. Yeah, yeah this is like, somebody that's done this way more than you ever have or will. I legit don't niche. even understand. It's like they're just earning like extra money because their job doesn't demand that much of them. or Like the amount of talent in there is crazy. It's crazy. So there's lots of ways to delegate that aren't all or nothing, I think is the main takeaway there. Yep. All right. So automate, delegate. Rule three. Great Rule practice, three great is put it in the cloud. Um, the number of law firms that are still running a server closet is like boggles my mind. It's At this crazy. Point, 18, 19 months in a COVID, I'm almost like impressed if you've been able to stay off the cloud over the last 19 months. Like it's sort of it's sort of impressive to me that you went this long through the worst time or the most important time to be cloud-based in history. Well, and it's one thing to be able to like take your paper file like to your desk and then get on a Zoom meeting. And it's another thing to be like, I can just pop my laptop on the beach in Mexico and have all the files wherever I am. As long as there's Wi-Fi, I'm good, right? Like that's, that's what I'm talking about. Like paperless practice. It, you know, yeah, some people go to court and you need to have paper because blah, blah, blah. Fine. But fundamentally, your firm needs to go paperless. It's over that. It's not 1985 anymore. Like, why do we even have the paper? And if you're not going to court all the time, I don't even want to hear your excuses because it's BS. Like, stop it. Like pre having a practice management system using Dropbox, being able to securely share things, having e-signature for those of us that don't deal with the IRS or like real property documents, which we're like, never, people are like, we're going to put or, property recorder stuff on the blockchain. And I'm like, ha, 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 ha. Like, you have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> but well, and how about I a lot of states that don't allow, that have to have in-person signature for estate planning. And I'm like, great, yeah. COVID hits. You have the people that are at the highest risk of this and you're forcing them to go into an office and get in touch with people so that they can get the document signed in case they unfortunately you know, pass away yeah. during this. And that's, but that's the stuff we use as the excuse that why we can't use cloud services or make our firm cloud-based. Well, I do guardian items in North Carolina and the court makes me do these filings on paper and okay, 
fine. You got to print out a piece of paper once in a while. Me too. Okay. My practice, I deal with the IRS. They run on software from 1960 and you cannot email them. It is only fax or mail. <laughs> like That's it. I, so, I need a uh, I need a printer scanner shredder combo for some right like that one yeah. document like it's just completely go- goes through the three steps and it's in the yes. trash in thirty seconds. That's exactly it. And you know the cloud is and sometimes when I'm giving like a a talk, there are lawyers in the room who don't know what the cloud is. So I'm just gonna say the cloud means the internet. Just in case anybody actually is watching this and doesn't get it. That just means it's in the internet. Somebody's hosting a server that your computer is contacting somewhere else. Um, it is the opposite of Zoolander. The files are not in the computer anymore. Right. Right. Yes. So you can't really start to leverage all of these things unless you can have interconnectedness. And okay, now this is the part in the talk where somebody wants to say, but is it secure? using the cloud or the other one is my practice works with military whatever manufacturing and i have to have military grade encryption fine you one guy in the back of the room you keep it on paper i don't care whatever but and then you put it in your office and then your office gets broken into and they steal all your files that way yeah like and I'll see your password on the post-it note stuck to your laptop when I show up anyway. So whatever. But for the rest of everybody that thinks because ethics, we can't because of client confidentiality, we can't No, Yes, you can. Almost all of these tools have, you know, 128 bit encryption, TSL end to end. You can have fully encrypted text, email, blah, 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 whatever. Um, All of these things are secure enough. And remember, I don't remember the rule, but you have an obligation to stay apprised of the changes in the world. And there is baked into our ethics rules, tech competency requirement. And that means you have to like serve your clients the best way you can by keeping up with changes in the world. So stop acting like it's 1997 and like, let's accept that we do things on the internet now. And I promise you, the team that Google Drive has lined up to make sure people don't hack into every Google Drive is way more of a resource than like the trunk of your car or, you know, the uh, the window in your office and the lockbox. That is a great point. These companies have so much to lose by having a data breach. It's typically not our technology that is the problem. It's the fact that you didn't know that you shouldn't click on that phishing email. It's that you opened the PDF from the weird person who said they had $50,000 for you if you could just hold it for them temporarily or whatever. It's us. That's the weak point. It's not the technology or the internet-based tools that we want to use. Absolutely. Very true. All right. Uh, Automate, delegate, go on the cloud. Number four. Okay, number four is is a little like... Oh, why are you talking about this? It's stress reduction. Okay. This whole thing that we have as lawyers is our culture is like, we're always on. We're always on. We're always available. We're all, and that's not okay. Like we need to stop that. The whole, like, you got to grind out the hours. You're trying to build time because you thought about the case in the shower or you dreamed a solution and you're trying to like just this whole thing is wearing you down. This is why our industry 
you know, this is why lawyers have a high incidence of anxiety, depression, alcoholism, chemical dependency. This is because our stress is out of control. And why, you know, of course it is like we are helping people through the most emotional, most high stress, most aggravating situations. We are doing a lot of emotional labor and nobody in law school ever like taught us how to deal with the strain of all of that. Right. So most of us just find whatever coping mechanisms we, ha we have. I mean, hell, during the pandemic, my my liver got a workout. Right. Like I was like three cocktails a day every day of the week is totally fine. Right. Like that's that's what people go to. So we have to manage that. We have to like actually do that for ourselves because the legal industry isn't going to do it for us. So the ways I like to, you know, do that, this is like my easy, accessible thing. End your day. Actually decide when does your work day end? And like, that's something I've been saying for a few years. And it's even more important now that like this whole, like I work from home and right. I mean, you know, like when I'm does in the my office, work 24 day hours end? a day? I work from home. Yeah. Like I bought a whole house because I couldn't handle it anymore. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I have like a tween and a teen and they were sharing a room in my very nice, but still two bedroom apartment. And I was like, I have to get out of here. But I was <laughs> literally working with them in or you my left bedroom. Them in no, they came with me to the house, okay. yeah, but it know. was like, they were sharing a room. I was working out of my bedroom. We were in the apartment 24 seven. It was just like, no, because I need to end the day. You have to end the day. Your clients don't need to, you to email them back at 10 PM. If you're a criminal defense attorney and you have a hotline that people are calling from jail, I used to answer those calls when I was a intern. Um, you can get Smith. Okay. What are you going to tell them? Yep. Don't, you know, sit tight, whatever. Fine. You got to do that call. All right, fine. But everything else in every other practice area, it is not important. You, well, you and even with, the, with, and even with that example of the outsourcing the calls, so you don't have to be on 24 hours a day. Each individual person answering your phone is not on 24 hours a day. They just have an entire team where their day ends and somebody else picks it up. So your phone is cleared without anybody being burned down. Yeah. So like, most recently during the pandemic, my wing woman, Megan and I, we were like, oh, this is getting bad. Like our whole like work life boundaries got all messed up. What are we doing? I'm like working at 830 at night and I should have been with my kids for two hours by now. So we just said we're doing an end of the day meeting, 530 p.m. We're going to meet for five minutes, say what we did today, say what we still have to do tomorrow and then encourage each other to be like, and we're done. Like we're done. This is it. The other thing is like turning off the notifications on your phone. Yeah. That is the killer, right? You do not need to know that you have a new email. You're not going to miss anything. Trust me. Like was... I don't, I don't have it. And I check it all the time. <laughs> yeah. I watched um, social dilemma, the Netflix documentary. That was the biggest takeaway I took from that. And I have been so much happier shutting off notifications on everything. Yeah. Cause it's not like you're not going to check your email. Of course you're going to check your email. You don't need it to be buzzing you constantly, sort of keeping you scientifically. Those things trigger the same response that your brain reacts as if there's like a tiger in the bush, right? It's literally scientifically, that is your brain is responding with a micro fight or flight response every time that happens. Like, oh, well, when that stupid little 
preview thing pops up, if you have that Outlook preview thing that's popping up on the lower right corner of your screen every time you get a new email, I'm going to take you out back and give you a spanking. You need to turn that off. It is distracting you from your work that you're trying to build time for. And it is literally making your brain go, is there a tiger? Is there a tiger? <laughs> like that's why it's called time. an alert. It puts you on alert. Yeah, it is an exactly. Alert. Stop yeah. it. Well, um, and yeah. So here's the, the one thing along those lines. And I know there's a bunch of people here listening to this thinking, well, I'm going to lose some clients if I'm not available 24 seven. And I, I think the answer is yes, you will. It's going to be the pain in the ass ones. It's going to be that 20% yeah. of clients that are 80% of your aggravation. Because if they need you to jump at 11 o'clock at night and it's not okay at nine o'clock the next morning, what the heck else are they forcing you to do that you your don't Your life do? is too short. You're absolutely right. And I, at some point, realized that was true. And it's like, these are the, you know what, clients. These are the major pitas and the people that I don't actually want to do any business with. Now, maybe you're an associate at a firm and you feel like you don't have any control over that. Okay, fair. But you know what? It's not reasonable for your bosses to expect you to work at 10 o'clock at night. And if they are expecting you that, go, let's go find another job. Because yeah. you've got a lot more power than you think you do in that realm. You don't have to work in a place that is driving you to be an alcoholic, cokehead, anxious, depressed, you know, person. And the, and the craziest part about this is I've actually found a lot of my stress-relieving hobbies have generated business. Like I really enjoy golf. It's I'm terrible at it. It is an experience in aggravation every time, but it's like fun aggravation. And then you go play golf with chiropractors and other lawyers and other doctors. And next thing you know, like here I was, instead of being in the office, I was playing nine holes for two hours with people and I got a case from it. And it's this crazy concept of like, you're actually making your business better by having hobbies because you're engaging with people who you might be the only lawyer they know, or you might be their, the lawyer they think of the most now because you do pottery together, because you go bowling together, because you go to a sporting event together. I don't whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. And like, if you do control who your clients are, manage the expectations. There are things you can do as an associate to manage expectations, but if you are the rainmaker, you are the, the managing partner, the a partner at a firm or a solo, you can control who comes into your business. And you don't need to teach people. When you respond to their email at 10 p.m. because you're checking your messages before you go to sleep at night, we've all been there, you are teaching them it's okay to email you and expect a response at 10 o'clock at night. Just stop doing it. It'll be a little, there'll be a little bumps in the road for a couple of weeks, but as your clients churn and you move on to new matters and you don't respond to people after 6.30 at night or on weekends, nobody's going to expect it. Frankly, I send a little welcome packet orientation email thing that just lays out like these are the expectations. Like, I, because my clients are all super high maintenance nonprofits, and most of them are volunteers. So when do they work on their nonprofit stuff when they're a board member? Nights and weekends. So when do I get a lot of emails from people? Nights and weekends. So I just straight up tell them like our office hours are between 9 p.m. and 5 p.m. We will, we will respond to you within 24 hours when you email us on business days. And like, we understand you do a lot of your work outside of those hours. So thank you for understanding. We set boundaries for our managing our home lives. It's not 
rocket science and you think you can't do that, but you can. And people will appreciate you for doing it. It's okay. And then the cool thing is when they're, so you do the work during normal hours and then they come to do the volunteer work the next night, the next weekend, the next day. And they're like, oh, all this stuff is done. This is awesome. Like, you know, just knocked all this out while we were doing, I guess, our day jobs. Yep. And so then, you know, I think about like my family practice attorney friends, right? Or like people who are, you're getting, they're doing this and this is happening and I, you know, urgency or like criminal. Supposed to be back by four o'clock. It's 4.02 right now. How dare they? Yeah. So-and-so is calling again about whether you've heard from about the police report or whatever, right? Circling back to the delegate and the automate, like have someone else answer the calls. So you're not the person triaging that it and then automate with online scheduling so that they can make a time to talk with you. Because what's the number one ethical complaint people get is attorneys don't Never answer heard. the phone. Yeah. They don't call back. Right. So you can start to combine these little concepts and they stack and leverage on each other. And pretty soon your stress is being managed because you are delegating, because you are automating and it gets to be super powerful. Yeah, one of the best things that we did, um, so we've got for my law firm, we do PI in Orlando. And so for my paralegal that handles like the pre-suit during the treatment phase, we've got a series of automated emails and we've got tasks to check in, how's treatment going? But in all those emails, I've got a, hey, if you need a case update, like book here. And then we carved out, I think, Tuesday mornings and Friday afternoons. And so now they've got a 15 minute window. It's booked at most like three days out. and the, my person can go into that knowing which case, knowing what the question is, knowing what they need to go over, making sure they've got access to the records, which are in the cloud, but they can get it, you know, pulled up so they're not sorting through uh, Practice Panther or Google Drive or Lawmatics or, you know, whatever it is. And it's like, it's better for everybody. I happy think. clients. Happy clients make for happy lawyers. Yeah. I mean, it's I definitely mean, resulted really. In a, it's resulted in a lot fewer, like, random calls during the day. What's going on in my case? Yep. You, you keep them informed and you make sure there's a way for them to book a time with you, clients will be so happy, right? And it, it sounds like an impossible dream, but it really isn't. Very true. All right, so we got one left. All right, so the last number five is you got to manage your processes. So there's a... I, I think back to like my in-house days and when I worked with a law partner who was all on paper, you know, a, a two-hole punch is not a project management system. Like putting paper into red ropes is not case management. It's just paper in a file folder. Um, and then just the other idea that like, if you, you can make a system, but if you fill it with garbage, it's still a garbage system. So being mindful of like, what are you creating, right? And then also this thing about like software is not gonna save your life. And I think we get into that like shiny, shiny new software syndrome. Like I'll, I'll get Clio and it's gonna change my life because everyone says Clio is amazing. Well, Clio is amazing, right? And like, I'm, there's other practice management tools that are also amazing. But if your file management process in your office blows or you're not using the integrations because you're not doing things in a connected way, your process sucks 
no amount of software is going to help you out of that. Well, and I love like, so all of these things I think are interconnected, you know, because you've got the, you as the owner need to be coming up with the systems or tweaking the systems at, at their initial creation. And then you can use your cloud-based software to take some of them off your plate to automate them. You can delegate to other people that gives you more time to then be able to do some stress relief and not, you know, burn yourself out. But it also gives you more time to build the next system or to edit the next system or to tweak that or to delegate something else or to automate something else. And you get this like snowballing in a good way where now you finally can breathe and you can spend that time on like actual owner work or actual lawyer work or actual, you know, rainmaker work as opposed to staff work, as opposed to computer work, as opposed to busy work, as opposed to, you know, whatever else. Yep, that's exactly right. Like all of these things like dovetail into one another and like the, just the more you start to see how powerful they can be when you leverage them together it's like radically transformed my lawyer life right like i used to be super stressed out i was hating my practice i was i had clients that were avoiding me or irritated with me and i couldn't understand why and whatever and like i started implementing these things and they started being happier and then i started being happier and i was like oh this is like amazing. I need to tell everybody about all of this. <laughs> yeah, I had a uh, judge I was in front of had one of my favorite all time sayings. She said, life is a grindstone, but whether it grinds you down or polishes you up is up to you. And I take that to heart so frequently because exactly what you just said, like the more that you put into being accessible and putting yourself in a good mood, the more your clients get in a good mood, the more that they, it becomes this like echo chamber of happiness as opposed to, I don't know, like an echo chamber on Facebook of aggravation. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, it also freed me up to like be more authentic, right? Like I realized like, oh, like I can put my, my own real personality into this stuff and my clients will respond to it. And like taking care of my clients is not like this dehumanized gray suit, blue tie, robot lawyer, I am a commodity. I do the documents, right? People are not hiring us for that. They're hiring us for our heart and for our wisdom and for our ability to like hold their hand through difficult times, right? So you can bring your whole self to your practice and it just makes everything better. Love it. All right. So automate, delegate, go to the cloud, stress relief and build your systems, you know, uh, S in is S out. It's a bad system. Anything else you want to make sure that we cover as we get towards the end here? I think that's it. Are there any questions or anything? Breezy, do we have any questions? Oh, All hi, right. Joey. Joey's a good egg. There we go. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So if you've enjoyed this chat with Jess and you want to stay hooked on the Exhibit A shows for more wonderful free tips from amazing experts across the whole country. I want you to come back. Next episode is September 13th. I think that's Monday at yeah, Monday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time. So 3.30 p.m. Eastern time, two hours later than this show was. Uh, we're talking with Mitch Jackson on how COVID has changed legal marketing and branding. If you don't know Mitch Jackson, Mitch literally wrote the book on it, on the legal marketing and branding, interviewing a bunch of people across the whole country with all these things and has consistently stayed on top of it. So we're still, unfortunately, in COVID. And so we're going to talk about some of the things that that has changed when it comes to branding and legal marketing. So it'll be Monday at 3.30, right back here. 
But Jess, I'm not going to let you go without that final nugget of wisdom, that biggest piece of advice. So for somebody who's listened to this for the last, I don't know, uh, 45 minutes, if they remember nothing you said except what you have here, what would be the biggest piece of advice that you want firm owners to know or attorneys to know so that they can be the exhibit A of a successful attorney? It can be something we've already covered again. It can be something totally different, but just that biggest piece of information to help people be successful and happy. Um, The biggest thing is I am not a magical unicorn. I'm just like you. I didn't like. Don't sell yourself short. I wasn't beamed down to earth already knowing how to do all this stuff. And neither are you. And that's okay. So don't be afraid to start. It's that is the biggest hurdle is executing and starting and trying something and just remember that like you are the person that signed up for law school and went in a blind lamb that had no idea what was going on and you kicked that thing's ass okay you can do this too you start small you bite off one piece at a time you got this i love it i love it because really i think the i think there's the hump of i need to implement these things but then it becomes like i'll do it tomorrow And the next thing you know, it's been a year, it's been two years, it's been five years. And so like, please, please, please don't be watching. Well, assuming that you watch this in like 20 years, please don't be watching it. Like, you know what? I should have taken Jess's advice on day one and started this process. Right. Yeah. And if people want to read about the five rules, I've got a little ebook. Just go to hackyourpractice.lawyer and type your email in the homepage and I will send it to you. Perfect. All right. And also, um, if anybody does have any questions, hopefully we'll get Jess connected inside of our Solutions for Lawyers by Lawyers Facebook group so she can answer some of those. Otherwise, you've got all of her contact info, a wealth of knowledge and a wonderful person to chat with. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks, Jordan. Thank you for listening to this episode of Exhibit A Attorneys. If you're interested in becoming the Exhibit A of a successful attorney, please check us out at LegalEaseMarketing.com, E-A-S-E.